Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me here today on Live by Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk. This is Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG. We're online at kpcg.fm. And we have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well. All of our programming is available there or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Well, we live in an age where people are very skeptical when it comes to God's Word. I think what's ironic, I guess, is that the majority of people will believe many things that are not true as long as it's the popular teaching or it's the popular thought. And we see that in a lot of uh, just the social trends and, and even the way news is reported. There's quite a few things that turn out to not be true, but yet people go along with them. So in one sense, people will believe a lot of things. But when it comes to God's Word, they're very skeptical in most cases. And a skeptic would probably say, well, how can we prove the Bible? Is God's revealed Word? How can we know that it is? There's a lot of books out there that claim to have some truth in them, and there are different religions and different ideas, and how can we know? How can we prove it? Well, there's one way to do that. There is one way to do it. Notice this quote from Lesson 16 of the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. This is a free course at thetrumpet.com. And if you don't have it, please sign up for it. It's an educational service. It's been paid for already. It will help you with your study of God's Word. And it's a free service. So please sign up for it if you don't have it. But this Lesson 16 has this quote. It says, Prophecy is the one proof upon which Scripture stands or falls. That's quite a statement. Prophecy is the one proof upon which Scripture stands or falls. So we need to consider that. Well, what has God prophesied? And then we need to look and see if it's come true. The quote continues, it says, Even the God of the Bible recognizes this fact. And here is what he says. And this is quoting Isaiah 41, verses 21 and 22. This is from the Revised Standard Version. Isaiah 41, verses 21 and 22. Set forth your case, says the Eternal. Bring your proofs, says the King of Jacob. Further down it says, and tell us what is to happen. Tell us what is to happen. Tell us the former things, what they are, that we may consider them, that we may know their outcome, or declare to us the things to come. The quote continues and says, God says, as it were, let's hear your prophecies, that we may see whether or not they turn out. Predict what is going to happen in the future, and let us see whether you can foretell. Can you make and unmake nations? Can you pronounce a sentence or a decree on a nation and bring it to pass? This is the taunt of the God of the Bible to all doubters. So if somebody's skeptical about the Bible, consider prophecy. Consider prophecy. Has it been fulfilled? Now, of course, there are prophecies that still remain to be fulfilled, but there are prophecies that have been fulfilled already. Notice uh, 2 Peter 3. There's, this is a passage that 
is very applicable for us today. It talks directly about our time and the attitude that people will have. It's a prophecy about the attitude of people. And it's something that we observe all around us. Second Peter 3, verses 3 through 4. It says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts. So there'd be people that would come along, and they will be scoffers. They're going to scoff at the word of God. Verse 4, And saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. And a person could say that today. They could say, well, okay, so where is Christ's second coming? You know, we've heard about it. People have talked about it for years. Well, where is it? Things just continue on. But we have such a small view of history because we've only lived for a few years And yet, it's easy to look around and say, well, things are like they've always been. People scoff at God's prophecies right up until they are fulfilled. Right up until they are fulfilled. That's been the pattern of mankind. People will scoff at the prophecies of God until they're fulfilled. And then they'll say, well, (laughs) it came to pass. And oftentimes it's too late because usually the prophecy has a warning to it. Now, the major prophecy of the Bible, of course, is the return of Jesus Christ. Waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. Notice this in Acts 1. Acts 1, let's look at verses 9 through 11. And this is right after he was resurrected. And he spent some time teaching his disciples. Acts 1, verses 9 through 11. And when he had spoken these things... While they beheld, he was taken up. So Christ was taken up. It says, And a cloud received him out of their sight. The disciples saw this. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, these angels, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And so people have been waiting since that time, about 2,000 years, for Christ to return in like manner. He is going to come back. He's going to come back to this earth. It's a prophecy. It's something that God said would happen, and yet it hasn't happened yet. And so a person could be skeptical, just like we read there in Second Peter, and say, well, where, where's the promise of his coming? He said he was going to come. Where is he? Well, he hasn't come yet. Does that mean that he won't? Of course not. Of course not. He will come. And it will be in God's timing. It will be according to God's timing. And Christ gave prophecy about what events would be like at the time period of his return. What would occur? Because his disciples wanted to know that. And this is recorded uh, in Matthew 24 this pivotal prophecy, this Olivet prophecy. Notice Matthew 24 and verse 3, what Christ said when he was asked about this. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world, or the end of the age, man's rule? As Satan is uh, the god of this world, Second Corinthians 4 and verse 4 shows that. What's going to be the end of that? When are things going to change? When the kingdom of God 
begins to rule this earth. Now, notice verses 21 through 22. Christ went through some things that would happen over time. And then he gets down to uh, right before his second coming. Verse 21, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So, and we know there's been some horrific wars on this earth, but yet this is going to be worse. And we're in that time period where that will happen. It hasn't happened yet, of course. But it will, unless mankind repents. Because we have the weapons for that today. The weapons are out there. Nuclear weapons is horrifying. And you know, if you've read any anything about nuclear weapons, and probably everyone's seen or read a little bit about it, they do horrifying things. They cause massive destruction, and there's nuclear weapons all over this earth. That's not even to talk about biological weapons and so forth. So, terrible tribulation, suffering like it's never been, to the point where there would be no flesh saved alive. We see this in verse 22. And except those days should be shortened, that tribulation time period, and then the day of the Lord after that, except for those times being shortened, it says, there should no flesh be saved alive, it should read. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So God's very elect, a small group, will be doing his work. There will be warning, and God will cut that time short because otherwise there would be no flesh saved alive. How is that possible? Well, it's because of the weaponry. So just looking at events, we're in that time period. We know we're close to that. And there's battles and skirmishes going on on this earth right now that are quite destructive. They're localized. They haven't spread globally. But what if they did? It doesn't take a lot of imagination to see that these prophecies are on the cusp of being fulfilled. And it leads to the return of Jesus Christ. But okay, it hasn't happened yet, and people could scoff at these prophecies. Second Peter says they will. We read that. They're going to scoff at them and say, well, you know, how do we know that will happen? Well, again, we've got to look at what God has prophesied, and has it happened? Now, not all prophecies have been fulfilled yet, but some have, or they have been to an extent. It would be smart to look back at prophecies that have already been fulfilled, See, that shows us God's track record. He's prophesied things in the past. They've happened. So if those things happened, well, the things he's prophesying that have not yet occurred will also happen. Christ goes on to give us an example, something very specific. In verse 37 through verse 39, here in Matthew 24, he's talking about his return, this prophecy this great prophecy of the Bible, the second coming of Jesus Christ to this earth, the restitution of all things, as Acts talks about. Verse 37, it says, but as, and again, this is Jesus Christ talking. So people might not agree with it, or they might not think there's much to it, but this is Jesus Christ and what he said. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So he talks about Noah. Wow. See, now that's something that people are skeptical about. They say, well, Noah, I mean, that's, is that a true story? Did that happen? Well, it did. Christ references it. He talks about it. He says, but as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. 
For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. See, that's just like what we read there in Second Peter. People scoffing, carrying on, carrying on and just living their life thinking, well, what Noah has been saying to us, this warning, that's not going to happen. He's been saying it for a long time. It hasn't happened yet. And Christ said, well, yeah, they continued on until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and it took them all away. It will be the same at the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus Christ's return, it'll be just like that in the time period leading up to it. Jesus Christ points us back to the flood of Noah's time. Now, you can read about that in Genesis 6 and then a few chapters after that. Now, of course, the skeptic will not believe in that history. They'll say, well, I don't, you know, this is the story. That's just the story that people tell the kids. But Jesus Christ believed in it, and he referenced it. There's plenty of evidence, even physical evidence, to prove that the flood occurred. We have an article at thetrumpet.com titled, Just a Bible Story Question, The Great Flood. And it's by Christopher Eames. And he examines some of the secular history that talks about the flood. You know, people don't want to believe the Bible. Well, okay, they can choose to be a skeptic, a scoffer. But there's other other record of the flood. He wrote this, probably the most famous extra-biblical flood account is the Epic of Gilgamesh. It is engraved on a series of tablets from the ancient city of Nineveh. And he goes on to talk about how old that is, and it, it uses even other older sources. So it goes back thousands of years. He continues in the article and says, The Epic of Gilgamesh describes a Noah-like figure named Utnap-Ishtim. According to the epic, Utnap-Ishtim built a boat within which he, his relatives, and all species of animals survived a flood that destroyed all of mankind. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> well, that's exactly what the Bible talks about. He continues in the article. It says, As in the Bible... Gilgamesh states that the reason for the flood was human wickedness. Like the biblical account, the large boat came to rest on a mountain. Both accounts describe birds being released to test whether the water had sufficiently subsided. In fact, both accounts describe the use of the same bird species, the dove and the raven. Both accounts record that sacrifices were offered after the flood, and both records say that the men... Utnapishtim, and of course Noah, as the Bible calls him, were afterward blessed. That's secular history. And it talks about the same thing the Bible does, and that it happened. And you can go on and read that article, and there, it points out how there are lots of historical records from different civilizations that talk about the flood. And they're not all exactly the same word for word, but I mean they give you the same basic idea. Now, did they all get together and just make up a story? Well, I suppose a person could say that. But Jesus Christ talked about that flood. He talked about it. And it's so interesting 
when you look at how Christ described the attitude of people just before the flood. You know, they were carrying on. They were living their lives. They didn't believe the warning that Noah was giving to them for about 100 years. They just didn't believe it. They heard it. They cast it aside. They ignored it. Scoffed at it, probably. And yet the flood came. It did come. God's word was proved true. In Mystery of the Ages, Mr. Armstrong wrote this, and Mystery of the Ages is free at thetrumpet.com as well. He said, Mankind should have learned its lesson by the flood, but man, cut off from God and swayed by Satan, had not and has not to this present day. But once again, as it was in the days of Noah, Jesus said in a prophecy, There is a population explosion. Evils are multiplying. This time, worldwide nuclear war will threaten to erase all humanity from the earth. But for the sake of the elect of God's true church, God will cut off the destruction. He'll cut it short. And this time, send Jesus Christ as King of Kings to replace Satan and sit on earth's throne. See, that second coming is sure. It hasn't happened yet, but it is sure. The flood was warned about for about 100 years by Noah. People disregarded it until it came. And the flood is just one example of God fulfilling his prophecies. Now, of course, again, the scoffer, the skeptic is going to say, well, how do we know that really happened? You know, they, they'll ignore the history. They'll ignore those things and just say, well, I don't, I don't believe it. That's the nature of scoffing. But there's a lot more prophecy that's been fulfilled, a lot more that can be looked at. And we have information on that. The books of Daniel and Revelation give a lot of prophecy about this time we're in today and, and prophecy also that's been fulfilled up to this time. Prophecy of world-ruling empires. Things that cannot be sort of pushed to the side and ignored because the history is even closer to us. God foretold of world-ruling empires that would lead directly to the return of Jesus Christ. Christ talked about the flood. The book of Daniel and Revelation talking about these world-ruling empires, all of it pointing to the return of Jesus Christ and all of these fulfilled prophecies, the parts of them that have been fulfilled. It shows us that God's word is true. Who else could prophesy of those things? There's a lot more information that you can get for free, and it's at thetrumpet.com. We have a booklet titled Proof of the Bible. Proof of the Bible, that'll take you through those empires that lead all the way up to the return of Jesus Christ. You can see what the Bible says, and you can see the historical record. Also, Lesson 16 of the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course, that will take you through some of that same information in a little more of a systematic way. And look at it for yourself and see, have these things happened? Have God's prophecies been proved true? They have. Are there prophecies that are about to be fulfilled, yes, the scoffer doesn't believe it. But the smart thing to do, the wise thing to do, is to look at what God has prophesied, look at the ones there that have come to pass, and then know for sure that the ones that are just ahead of us will also be fulfilled. That's all the time we have for today on this edition of Live By Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk. Thank you for spending some of your time with me today. Until next time... Let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. Music
You've been listening to Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.